0: Southland Monday, September 26th, 2022. Mr. Grant, Mr. Purdy, absolutely nothing of interest has happened today. So let's just roll on with our boring news updates. Let's start at the preseason Commodore invitational for tennis. Mr. Grant, what do you have for us on that?
1: Yeah, uh Andres Martin got a couple of wins in the main flight. Um, I did notice, though, uh looking at some of the other competition going on, that uh, tech transfer Rohan Sakdev. Got two wins in the same day, which I thought was interesting. Uh, on Saturday when he defeated Slim Troost, uh, which is a heck of a name, uh, out of Vanderbilt 6264 and uh, Ishan Taluri in the Flight C West semifinals, uh, for Constellation, um, won 6162. So, um, yeah, playing four sets of tennis in one day seems like a lot, but uh, in, in general, I'd say with uh, only four players up there in in Nashville saw a good a good mix of turnout.
0: You also had tennis have a nice
1: little mixed double
0: session uh, with Ken and Trish Byers uh, over the weekend, so that was pretty nice. I saw that come across on social media. Mr. Purdy, tell us about club hockey's weekend in Orlando.
2: Club hockey played UCF. Twice. They beat them, The lost the first time 5-3 and then won the second game 4-1. So on aggregate 1-8-6, but that's not how that works. So Yeah, um,
1: I will say UCF, if I recall correctly, uh, over the last couple of years has been pretty solid um, top to mid-tier uh, team in the conference. So definitely quality opponents down there.
0: And Mr. Grant, you get the last one, club soccer at their Florida tournament
1: yep a uh, lot of club soccer action that'll be three games Florida, North Florida, and central Florida. I don't know who made all this uh central Florida theming this weekend, but um yeah uh that was definitely the theme of the weekend uh that would be u f tournament so they were in Gainesville, lost 2 nothing to the hosts, and then came back with two shutouts uh two nothing over North Florida, one nothing or over central Florida. Uh, I do know that uh, Swim Club was also in action, but I have no idea uh, what those results were. I just know that they were in Clemson. So we'll get uh, those and any other updates to you uh, as as we find them out in the coming week. That's
0: what Twitter is for, Mr. Grant. Uh, last update from me, which is not sports related, but segues nicely into our next segment. Uh, humanity flew an asteroid, uh, flew a satellite into an asteroid earlier today. Sources say that it looked much like a volleyball coming off the hand of one Julia Bergman as we transition into our segment recapping volleyball. Two 3 0 sweeps of ACC foes, Wake Forest and Virginia Tech over this past weekend. Not a lot really of note here. Uh, Pretty quick demolitions, 90 minutes each. Mr. Purdy, you were sitting on Media Row for both of these games. Uh, give me some of your thoughts, some of the, uh, you know, some of the happenings of these games from your perch.
2: I I mean, I'm beginning to notice how I process and think about these games is what did Julia do and how does that impact the rest of the team? Because uh, we use her so much for every game that when she's not getting 20 kills or getting 40 kill attempts or just has a bad hit percentage, it's significant and there's a falling and there's a falling out process after that. And that was the case in the first game against Wake Forest. She only had eight kills. Aaron Moss led the team with nine, but we had we everyone really pitched in in that game. In a game where she was not on her on her game at all, uh, Wake had a good one. Good, I forgot her name but the outside hitter they had, but they had a player that was able to do some damage. Um, but we still beat them 25-11 in the second set. So I mean, we we hit them pretty well. But then the second match against Virginia Tech, she goes Bergman goes off for twenty two kills, has her normal match. And it's the game was never really even a challenge. Virginia Tech did hold up pretty well in one set. I forgot if it was, I think it was the third set they held up until like eleven eleven or something like that. Uh, but then we won four of the last five to finish the set, and it was fine. Um, so I mean, I, yeah, that being big here, we are ranking moved up from fourteen to eleven. Uh, no, thirteen to eleven. So we're inching closer to the top ten. Um, if we crack the top ten, we're one behind pit. So, I'm, I'm just looking at is the pit game going to be a top 10 versus top 10 matchup? That's my current. I really want it to be just to say that it is that our Louisville game on Sunday will not be, though.
0: I, uh, pit game is not two I, weeks, I, by the
1: way. Just your annual or your weekly reminder. Yeah. We get, uh, we get another week to move up. I think, uh, it's pretty interesting about the juxtaposition between tech struggling to close out opponents, uh, immediately in sets and games, uh, versus them being relatively quick because as as fans as watchers as media members um you know you can really latch on to certain narratives and i think it depends on when they happen in a game in a set in in a match uh for for how much relevance or how much staying power they have in your head right because looking back at the wake Forest game on friday night tech kind of struggled out of the gate and i think uh one of my big like uh-oh kind of moments was like Like theoretically, right, according to rankings, according to past uh, performance, we are better than Wake Forest and we're not kind of lining up in in, in the way that you and that that sticks in my head. Well, in the next two sets, Georgia Tech closes them out, uh, including a 25 to 11 drubbing that it it wasn't particularly close right in in the the second set. But like the thing I keep coming back on is like early miscalculation. So uh, just interesting to say maybe if that happens in the third set or even the end of the third set. We kind of um you know write it off more than, oh gosh, it's first and and we kind of stick with that, if you will,
2: yeah, yeah, and what I found interesting was when I talked to coach Collier last week i i asked i specifically asked like, are, is there any experimentation left to be done here, like well, are you using any, like are you using these next two games, which I didn't want to use the term cakewalk in front of her, but I'm like in a way you could kind of think about that in, in those terms. And so, but she's like, yeah, no, I mean, we're going to, we're going to do what we need to do to win, but I'm not, we're not experimenting anymore. basically what she said. And then we put out two different bench usages that we haven't seen all season in that only Patterson and Fisher played against Virginia tech and only Varman and drew came off the bench against wake forest. Neither of which have been bench combos we've seen. So I will, I'm not saying that that's experimentation, but there are still new, we are still finding out ways to beat teams.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think we've kind of seen that, um, that rotation smooth out a little bit too, just in terms of like regularity of when certain people are coming in with certain situations. Um, I I know she listed off a few in your interview. People can go listen to that uh, if they want to hear more. And I I strongly encourage that because it'll be much better coming straight from the horse's mouth than, you know, us adding our (laughs) level of conjecture on top of it. We got it right from the source. That's new.
0: Speaking of sources, your AVCA poll, your source of rankings, uh, like uh, like Jack mentioned earlier, Tech is now back up to 11th. It is their 14th consecutive week in the top 15, 44th consecutive week in the top 25. Uh, Jack also mentioned that game versus Louisville, Louisville, who's number two. That is on October 2nd at 1 p.m. That got bumped over to Big ESPN. It is Georgia Tech Volleyball's first ever game on Big ESPN, at least that we can find. And it shows, you know, the the increased investment that ESPN is putting into some of its uh, non-big-ticket football, basketball-esque sports. So it's good to see. It's good to see. Um, A couple of days before, on Friday, the 30th of September at 7 p.m., as Georgia Tech versus Notre Dame in Notre Dame in South Bend uh, that will be on ACC Network extra as well so that's two good good tough matchups for Tech as they continue to roll on through the ACC slay gentlemen any final notes before we move on from volleyball
2: yeah
1: uh, I-, I think we're in the point where point of the season where we're going to be seeing, um, you know, maybe a little bit more regularity, like I said, from the rotation, but also to the point where um, we don't really want to harp on things unfairly. So I think it's okay to say, Hey, you know, they were a little bit slow out of the gate, but at the end of the day, it's two straight, uh, very competent looking sweeps. And we're not in the business of nitpicking, right? Because clearly what they're doing is going pretty well. So I'm excited that they've kind of started off ACC play, right? And they'll certainly get... (laughs) a test uh, <laughs> on the road ne- next Sunday, especially uh, with the pomp and circumstance of being on ESPN. So that's very exciting and, and you know, makes it a lot more accessible for casual fans to tune in as well.
0: All right, gentlemen, uh, there are other sports in action this weekend as well. But before we get there, uh, a quick break.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we will be talking, as always, uh, about Section 103 as our podcast business. Section 103 makes tremendous Georgia Tech apparel. Um, As you all know, uh, it is section103.com, the place to find it. And it's also the only place to find ATL apparel and a lot of other unique and special Georgia Tech logos. Uh, I know I, for one, have uh, mentioned a lot of them uh, on the show in the past, whether that's Point Tech, uh, whether that's ATL apparel. Again, Uh, Only place to get either of those, uh, as well as, uh, you know, one of the few places that you can actually interact with what uh, designs actually get made. Uh, So be sure to check them out and not only buy something, but also vote in their polls because that's a really fun feature that lets our voices be heard as a fan base for what we want to see next uh, from Georgia Tech. uh, Really, I I think they're mainly Georgia Tech right now, uh, other than maybe one design that's not officially under the tech umbrella. uh, You should check that out. Uh, As well, as always, free shipping over 70 bucks. And you can find them at section103.com and on Twitter at section103.
0: Gentlemen, welcome back to Scions of the Southland. Uh, Georgia Tech lost to UCF this weekend, 27 to 10. It was not a great trip to Orlando for the following party of important individuals. Angel Cabrera. Todd Stansbury and Jeff Collins, the latter two of whom were summarily relieved of their duties at the Georgia Institute of Technology by the former this technically officially this morning. But uh, the AJC reported it yesterday, Sunday, uh, around midday. Jack put together an awesome instant reaction show earlier today once the news went final uh, today being Monday. Uh, So go check that out in your podcast feeds. Uh, Both Collins and Stansbury had separate face-to-face meetings with Angel Cabrera on Monday morning. The rest of the athletic department was notified in a brief meeting later in the day. That is all coming from our friend Ken Segura at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We talked a little bit about Jeff Collins and his buyout situation last week after a disastrous loss to Ole Miss the final buyout number that we saw come across the wire was around $11.3 million. I don't know if that's the end all be all of this situation. I don't know if tech's issues with finances and a bunch of administrative issues as, as have been characterized by other media outlets are a fair assessment of this job moving forward. Wouldn't you
1: say, Mr. Grant? Yeah. Um, all all I can do is kind of kind of laugh cuz the point it becomes existential. Yeah,
0: I would say I I think the predominant narrative that we've seen unfold over the last 24-48 hours has been twofold. One that Jeff Collins what had a lot of bluster came in with a lot of bluster and it fell flat on his face and I think The other piece of that is that Georgia Tech has a lot of existential, like you said, administrative and financial problems that may have contributed to that mess. Jake, you had something you wanted to add on that?
1: I I think Jack said it very well as somebody who was also in his opening press conference. At that first moment, waited all day for this dude to come in on his plane. I was ready to run through a wall. I was hooked. I was like, "This is the guy. he knows what 's up um and and just that never clicked right that the The things that we heard and saw added all this anticipation, all this um expectation right i mean it, it's not something that tech fans like don't want like like we want to be connected to Atlanta. We want to recruit better. we want to be you know. Winning at NIL. We want to be all all these off field. We want to be a bigger, you know, Twitter social media brand. And that was exciting. That was different. And and for uh, it it seemed to answer to the other point of that, some of those existential questions, right? Like, and trust me, from the rumble seat, we'll have a lot, a a lot to say in, in the future about kind of the state of the program, the realities of Georgia Tech athletics, including some of these existential questions. And it may not have answered all of them, but at the beginning, you know that was that was something that seemed to at least get us in that right direction, and it never panned out, and it's not really for I guess you could say expected reasons, but over time it certainly became clear that there were certain things that needed to be seen to and addressed and 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 that's why the change came halfway into a seven year contract as financially painful as that is,
0: yeah again that number that number is not. <laughs> Not particularly sparkling, uh, but I will, I guess, add that money in college athletics is incredibly fake (laughs) for however much you want to put weight into that. But I, I think the thing that I have come away with, and I think you'll see a column from old site manager Joey Weaver on this as well, is that while Tech has a bunch of administrative issues with athletics and, like you said, a lot of those questions around Georgia Tech's commitment to athletics and some might say lack thereof are existential I do not think that those are the cause of the Collins era's failure, right? Those teams, the teams have been undisciplined. At times, they have been unfocused. At times, they have been unprepared. And a lot of that, it sounds harsh to say that. Obviously, you know, a coaching staff and, and the players are doing their best. But at the same time, like, those are not issues that you fix with just throwing a couple million more dollars into a program. That's not something you build, like you fix with a new locker room. That's not something you fix with a new weight room. And those are things that Georgia Tech got in the last five years. But that's something you fix with better coaching. And that's something – and to belie the point, that discipline, that focus continued on a downward trend the entire time uh, that yeah. Collins was head coach. And there was no, like – there's no – Light bulb, like you said, there's no there's no light bulb moment where all this clicked, right? It was just the same yeah. old malaise that persisted throughout. For, I mean, 2019 maybe you write off, but 2020, 21, that halfway, or just about a third of the way through 22 now, it's um it's been mostly a malaise, and so you got to make a change at that point. Jack, you talked about this a lot this morning. Is there anything specific that you want to point out? Uh, from your discussion with the editor of The Technique or anything from your reading of the tea leaves this morning as well?
2: Um, I would say I think even though 2020 was three wins, it was still progress wins because 2019 was three wins. 2020 was three ACC wins. So play a full schedule, it's probably four or five um, with normal stuff. And then that made you think, okay, 2021, year two of Jeff Sims. We got the shard choice. We got the coaching staff and everything. And then Clemson happened. <laughs> that was, it don't happened, but. Yeah. I, I
1: I think the 2020 like three wins, but it's progress. Like uh, obviously Syracuse game dumpster fire, but the Jeff Sims holding his arms up touchdown with Jameer Gibbs, not even in the end zone yet. I almost certainly was a, Almost certain it was against Louisville. That's why I was doing my L's up to L's down uh, thing right here. And then I think Jameer Gibbs vaunted uh, or vaulted a dude to go in the end zone, like to score a touchdown. You know, it was kind yeah. of a beat down. Um, not to offend any Cardinal fan listeners. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 um, no. Go ahead and but... offend.
0: They got, they got that butt <laughs> beat in Atlanta.
1: It. You know, maybe she doesn't even listen. She probably doesn't. But that's a different story we can unpack another time. Anyways, um, that that Louisville and and the Duke game too, right? Those were two wins that were comfortable, large wins. The offense was working. You saw signs, right? There were signs, yeah. uh, and, and I I don't think it was right. Anyone who had, you know, you know, you throw year one out, whatever. Year two, you're seeing signs. Year three, stays or step back. I think is how you guys said it this morning. I think that's a great way to put it, right? There were. There were expectations. It had been time, uh, you know, an, another year of Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs and kind of these, you know, familiar faces, uh, if you will, uh, in the system. And, and, and I think that's where we really didn't see that. Right? It, it was it was a mixed bag to start, and it was an empty bag to finish.
2: I'll reiterate. But- I did not think last year we should cut. I, I don't remember fully remember where my thoughts were at the end of last year of like, okay, we've got to get rid of him because I knew about the whole contract situation, and I just I think I just felt more yeah. stuck less than we could do mm-hmm. something about this I knew the money was there to to move on from him, but it was still like, ah, I, I wasn't there yet, even though and this Money is fake, Jack. It, money Athletics is fake Money is, is always is, fake And it's, this is leaking my answer to a mailbag question uh, and some other thing I wrote recently that's going to be a bunch of us on it but when we didn't score and we were at the 11 in Notre Dame and I knew we weren't going to score from the 11 in Notre Dame, that should have been the glaring red light in the back of my head of like, interesting that I think this 70-yard it, fumble return for a touchdown, Notre Dame scored. It's it's
1: the same way, not to draw a parallel to volleyball that may or may not be way too egregious. It's the same way that you can kind of tell three or four, I guess, possessions ahead in a rally that you're like, hmm. This ain't right. Something, something ain't going to click. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, this punt is definitely about to be blocked. I don't know what it is, but I know it's about to happen. That shouldn't be something that, that a tech fan or any fan is, you know, has a premonition for
2: That's not, that's not a good thing. (laughs) Not at all. No. And it's not normal. It's not normal in case you've gotten too used to this. This is not how rooting for a football team should go. This is not how it goes.
1: I, I remember sounding like the crazy old man my grad school year going, This team won nine games my freshman year. You know, like just <laughs> sounding like I was an old man on a cloud yelling. Like it,
0: that, it won that's, three that's games. That's what we mine. were. So, eh. wait, hold on. Your freshman year won nine option. games?
1: It did not win nine games, games beat UGA, won a Gator Bowl, beat Virginia Tech on oh, the road. It, that was that year. That was 2016. It was magical. You I know. got miracle on Ted. Peter Mills so really won here. Yeah, well, it's not a competition; it's a podcast.
0: Speaking of competition, uh, you know, Jeff Collins really beat out Todd Stansbury in terms of buyout. We aren't really sure what the terms of buyout were for Mr. Stansbury. However, there are some complications when it comes to how his would you call it a termination if he left. <laughs> Oregon State of his own accord, Jack. Can you can you walk hey, us through he, this
2: he, here? Yeah, he. I mean, it, by leaving Oregon State early, he breached his contract there, so we had to pay. Like in the same way, we we're paying Collins the money because we're cutting cutting him loose. Basically, he cut Oregon State loose, so we had to pay them money. Um, and so he needed a loan to take care of that, which the institute took care of. Um, but from what we understand, the interest was not paid for on that either. I I don't know why it wasn't if it was either forgotten or intentional there's I, we have no idea either i've never asked stansbury that question nor will i probably ever get the chance all we know is that he got sued for 1.6 million by oregon state in 2019 which then required a second loan um he took a pay cut of about uh about 300 thousand dollars, so he, his annual salary went down to around 650k around then um and so and the part of that was if if he made it through 2025, the debt would be forgiven. Um, but because we did not fire him with cause, uh, we still have we still are on the hook for that money. And I did the rough monthly calculation of what the 1.6 million from this was in 2019, and it and he had to make it through 2025 to get all this taken care of. And there's about a million bucks left on the table for this loan. So the first one is done. But just let me be clear: there have been two loans Georgia Tech has had to put up. For Todd Stansbury to keep his, to have him be employed here at his dream job to bring us back to the days of Homer Rice, as it was put. And instead, we have been left with another million dollars on his part, which puts the sum total, from what we understand, at $12.3 million that had to get spent to remove these two men.
0: Podcasting is a visual medium. So the image that you can't see uh, while Jack was talking is both Jake and I just completely rubbing our eyes and having just the, worst
2: I knew I landed the plane when these faces came on the screen don't y'all worry and and see like I'm it's weird to say you're an apologist for an athletic director
1: but I've been a pretty you know vocal like this Todd guy he's really doing good stuff for the programs I like cough cough volleyball cough cough women's basketball um arranging the you know getting the endowment to cover the swim coach uh uh the naming naming rights and everything yeah yeah that thing Oh, and the buyer's one too. Oh, that's phenomenal. Uh, but I guess I never knew all the exact details of these loans. I mean, I knew he was in trouble with Oregon State. And I, I like to think I'm somebody who's pretty plugged into what's going on. But this all just kind of seems, dare I say, shadier than I expected. Like, it just feels yes. dirty, yes. weird, it's- uncomfortable. I, I don't know.
0: Jake, I wrote what one potentially two articles on uh georgia tech's financial situation and this is the first time i'm hearing about these loans so that shows how much i know about this program apparently. also just
2: to, also to show that we are not like making this up this was from ken segura's article today his second big yes. one that he put out today so it's, as i've had we're to quote to many
1: people over the last two days ken is the end all be all uh because he is um so uh, take that with no grains of salt take it as the truth
2: like he Ken's going to give you the right stuff. Um, we'll Speaking have of Ken. Ken on soon. D- <laughs> he supposedly will be on next week with us so we can ask him about this.
0: Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> just to tee up. I want to tee up Jake to wax poetic a little bit. I think all three of us, we have a spectrum of mixed feelings about this hire. Uh, and Jake sort of set himself up talking about being an al- apologist for an athletic director, but it's very strange to feel this way about an athletic director that did so much good for the programs that don't that that don't drive the bus but made a pretty critical error when it comes to the one that did. Don't you say? I uh,
1: I would agree, but I'm also going to tee this up with now that he's not actually our athletic director, I can be honest with my own feelings that I didn't really like the baseball extension either. And when I say didn't really like, I actually mean I was vehemently against extending them at this. Well, James Ramsey deserves all the money in the world, but you know what I mean? Like I wasn't happy with necessarily the direction of the pitching staff kind of was, was bugging me as well. But at the same time, like I spend my life mucking around in the weeds and and Jack, you, you know this as well as anyone, Aksha. You know this as well as anyone. Like, just to see the time and attention and consideration women's basketball has gotten in the last four years. Like, he went out and made a home run of a hire. There's not a single person on this campus, in this fan base, in this city that's interacted with Nell Fortner that does not absolutely love the woman. I've never heard a single bad thing about her, Right. And, Other and than it the fact that time, she
0: plays Iowa football levels of basketball, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there.
1: It beat Yukon. It be UConn. She went to a sweet That's 16. That's
0: true. That's <laughs> true, but I wanted to get um, my joke
1: in. She just got Cameron Schwartz to come home. That's pretty big. Anyways, um, I see that, Jack. That was the right reaction. I like that. I feel supported. Anyways, gonna keep waxing poetic. Took him took a little bit for softball to kind of come into full form right but there was covid in there and and all those necessary asterisks but like that was a tournament team this year they look better than they have in a decade plus like volleyball yeah he didn't hire michelle but he empowered her to succeed Uh, golf's kind of done its thing for for years and years but he's you know got ken byers to sign up to endow the tennis coaching spots like these these are fundamental and 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 the Bergmark uh, swim coaching endowment, like those three in particular are fundamental shifts in in how you fund those in in ways that, you know, set those programs up, not just to be successful now, but in the future, because there's so much less question and like, I guess, bottom line sink there, right? Because as those are more established and, and not something that you have to you know, line item every year out of X of the TV contract. No, like those endowments will be there paying those things in perpetuity. You just manage the endowment at that point. On top of that, general fundraising, generally a strong suit. Again, n- not really going to wax poetic. Like in, in hindsight, you can say, hey, like, you know, what's going on with these extensions for, for Passner or, or Hall or the, you know, the Collins seven year thing. But at the same time, I think, Seemed like a nice guy, too. That's where I'll leave it.
2: Putting it there, do y'all trust... Would y'all have trusted him to make the next hire?
0: You raise a very interesting question. Um, (laughs) My... I think our answers are partially going to to, be informed by the stuff that we're hearing from other media, right? And I think the resounding answer from non-us media was a big fat new because of the vote of confidence last winter
1: um jack given that you asked that question i want to know what you're thinking because clearly you're thinking somewhere down this line
2: i've been generally down the middle on this because everyone i've talked to that has interacted with Stansbury really likes the guy like i've never heard a bad thing of him obviously the financial stuff's one thing but i think in general just as a guy a, a, a reasonable dude and i mean ken had his piece in the summer about how a, a lot of the non-rev coaches felt very free to just kind of do what they needed to do and that they felt enabled to do their jobs which is really important so the sheer number of folks and sheer number of programs that were benefiting from him being there was a I, I, that, I, that weighs in my mind granted i do enjoy consuming the non-rev sports arguably more than football and men's basketball at this point um yes so that's uh, personally, I'm like, okay. Well, I think he was doing the job right for the most part, and doing the fundraising too. Um, granted, yes, we're in was, but the fundraising efforts were still there. Um, there was one very big part of this, though, that needed to work, out and it didn't work out. So, uh, between football and the, and the this money problem here, like, I, I think it, I I think I'm I, I am fine with him going. I'll just say that I'm fine with him going, but. A lot of it weighed in my mind.
1: I I think the fact that we owe him so much money, kind of like that I didn't even know factored into this calculation, kind of skeeves me out in in hindsight. But also just as, you know, post details are coming out, just kind of retrospecting on how fast, but also uh, short of a, a list, I guess. Seem to be considered last time. I think the only two names I ever seriously heard considered were Ken Weisenhunt and, and Jeff Collins, uh, who also seemed like a last-minute deal there too. Um, kind of makes me retrospect and go, "Hey, like maybe, maybe not a, a great call." But at the same time, like all the other hires, he's only had to make a couple other hires, right? It, it's it's Nell and Eileen, and you're not going to hit a home run on the first season of a coach every time, but like Nell no Darn well did it, right? Like that that that's really positive one end of the spectrum. And then on the other hand, you have Jeff Collins, who was 263 uh in his three and change seasons on the flats, worse than Bill Lewis, uh, and, and worse than any coach since Heisman was hired in 1904. A- and that's, you know, this is a proud school, proud program. And, and a lot of our, you know, uh non-revenue sports are doing great, but arguably the one with our richest history, richest tradition and most things to point to other, other than women's tennis, who has, you know, the only actual national title, um, not actual is the wrong word, but the only NCAA recognized title. There we go. Um, is football, right? And, and this is as sorry I a stated as it's been in since it didn't have a professional coach, which is really saying something.
0: Yeah. I think the summary on Tad is, and I I feel like we said this on an episode recently, but we may not, we may not have, Um, but it's certainly something I've been telling people a lot. It's you can make one bad football hire given the goodwill that you've had in other places and the progress that you've made in other places and you can survive it. If you don't, and you can survive it as long as you cut bait and admit that you're wrong when when it looks like it's going to go wrong. You cannot survive it if you tie yourself very publicly to that bad football hire.
1: I think all of this reinforces my point that not even deep down, people at Tech institutionally, based on the reactions I've seen from our fans, our students, uh, our alumni, are committed to making this right, right? You don't go a- and spend eight more figures of dollars to make a football program right if you are not committed to athletics, right? We're already nine figures in debt. But I, I think this shows that we're already nine figures in
0: a- debt. What's another two more? <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> but you know, I know yeah, I you, you know what I mean. Like this this is not a, it, the easier and uncommitted solution is to say, hey, this guy who can't, you know coach football at the standard that we expect as an institute, you know, keep them around. That's, that's the easy, non committed, you know, what committed is probably a bad word to to talk about. Just, you know, paying somebody to not be employed at your university anymore, but you, you know what I'm trying to say? I I think people make this out to be a big journalistic talking point, but at the same time, like, again, a school that's okay being eh is going to make do with the status quo, at least in, in my humble opinion. You guys might differ, but I, I think this is a signpost that says, yes, Georgia Tech remembers what winning an Orange Bowl, what winning the ACC, what heck, winning a national championship in a decent portion of our fan base is living memory and in some cases too um, is like.
2: I think Orange Bowl I especially was
0: not that long ago, to be clear. Uh, It was. It it really, yeah. And it's. I think the average, non-college football fan taking Georgia Tech's current state and saying this is the way that they've always been, is reductive at best, if not outright kind of insulting. But I'll remove my personal feelings about that from the from the equation. Jack, you get the last word before we move on to the interims.
2: I don't want to remove that a desperation I don't want to equate a desperation move to commitment to one to a sport. I mean this is a desperation move and I do think we're committed to it, but I wouldn't necessarily equate them in this pro, in this situation. I think this is primarily desperation because it's so bad. It's so bad. It's never been worse.
1: I I have a a, a quick little game for you. I promise okay. it's short. Of the top 100 Teams in football uh, in any division of the NCAA, right? That's FBS, FCS, Division Two, and Division Three. By number of wins, where does Tech rank in all all NCAA institutions?
2: Oh, I know. I've seen lists like this. I think we're top top 20, fifteen. Right?
1: No, both of you. If you met yeah. in the middle, you'd be closer. We are 29th. All-time in wins behind, obviously, 28 schools. But among those, North Dakota, Washington, Jefferson, Wittenberg, Mount Union, Princeton, Penn, Harvard, and Yale. So that puts us 21st all-time among FBS major institutions. And we are right in the ballpark with Florida, Pittsburgh, and Washington. So
2: Those Ivy Leagues got a head start on us, too. (laughs) Because Princeton started football.
1: By... By quite a considerable amount, but yep. what I'm trying to say is, this is not some forever backwater place, right? It is a top 21 FBS all-time in wins institution. This is not some some school that's just been, you know, Indianaing along for its entire existence. Well, if your brother know, like and mother gonna are so not going to be time. happy
0: about that one, hey, I'm taking pop shots get at everyone ang- tonight. You're going to get some angry phone calls later. Let's talk about the interims real quick. Uh, I had the press release pulled up. Uh, Frank Neville, Chief of Staff and Senior Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, is now the Interim Director of Athletics that comes straight from Anel Cabrera's press release. Uh, He has been in his current role at Georgia Tech since September of 2019 and is a member of the Georgia Tech Athletic Association Board of Trustees. Um, He's been with Cabrera a lot. Right, I think when we were talking about this before we recorded, you, uh, Jake, you noted he'd been with Cabrera, at George Mason, uh, at Thunderbird, which is now part of uh, Arizona State. So, I'll go to you first. What do you make of this interim choice? What does that tell you about how Cabrera is taking this search?
1: Well, I'm not going to pull Jack's little uh, addition that he added there right out from under him, but just from inference, this is clearly somebody who has had close ties to Angel Cabrera, uh, who's for those who don't know uh, a Georgia tech graduate. Um, So that's important to flavor here as well, but um, somebody who's been closely connected uh, with president Cabrera at essentially every step that he has had leading institutions, right? So this is somebody who is uh, clearly aligned with whatever's going on in the president's office. You cannot uh, be somebody's chief of staff and uh, you know, Uh, leader of special projects at the Institute and uh, in similar roles uh, at two other stops with this same president without, uh, you know, kind of being in lockstep with, with that person, or at least knowing what's on their brain.
2: This is, this is a trust decision. This was fully based out of trust Um, and especially objects in position. You have to be trustworthy for it because that's where, that's where the weird stuff falls. Like that's not normal business at all uh this is a special so, project I mean, by every friend,
1: definition of the word right yes
2: yes no in fact he's probably fulfilling his other job that he had before he just got a new name for for now so i mean i i, I th- yeah that's what it is i mean the two the, the two go the two are in lockstep as he said um a friend of mine that i know who's talked to some folks at the aa and is friends with them this is like though they've known each other a long time this this makes sense to me so I guess it's it's good to have Let somebody the, the president trusts. Commence.
1: Yeah. It's good to have somebody the president trusts in in there and you know, making sure that the ship stays sailing straight ahead, I guess.
0: Speaking of who is being trusted with the remainder of the twenty twenty season that will be offensive line coach and run game coordinator and assistant head coach Brent Key, who graduated from Georgia Tech. In 2001, he has been the assistant head coach as part of his duties on the Platts for the last three seasons. Uh, You may also remember him as the offensive line coach and head recruiter at Alabama from 2016 to 2018. Jack, let's go to you first on this. What do you make of this interim situation? Uh, How do you see this going the rest of the way?
2: Uh, It's... We only had so many options. I mean, it, Key seemed like a running favorite all, for a lot of the time. Assistant head coach, title that promotable, just, you know, normal head coach also. Um, I know Chip long-loaded out there, but, I mean, for any, Brent Key has known all these guys, though, which I think is important here. So you got another guy that had relationships with everyone that's on the team right now, um, especially guys that Collins himself had recruited. So it's a level of continuity that i think it's important to measure that's maybe not terribly measurable but important to have um results are just going to have to be what they're going to be now i think we all can breathe easier and can just outright root for the team as some people have said in our slack and whatnot like okay maybe in times where we were actively rooting to lose because we were, so we could end this situation with collins key key's not the not the full time solution it might be it could work out um, but I think having a sense of continuity with the players and the coaching staff is important here for this hire.
1: I want to. I would. I just want to dis disconnect or disclaimer asterisk. I certainly was never rooting for Georgia Tech to lose, and I would not want to <laughs> okay. put that opinion out there. Get get in front as, of the discussion as being what from the fake news from the rumble seat has been has been thinking or saying because that's not the case. All of us are deeply committed. And passionate fans. And I don't think that that's a fair way to portray, you know, kind of the vibe. Don't take
0: it out of context. Don't take it out of context.
1: Taken out of context, that's a very bad statement. Put in context, yes, as put me out of my misery. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit more uh, accurate because I-, I would say the last eight games have been yeah. decidedly miserable. Yes. Agree. Agree.
0: Uh, a search firm has been contracted to run both of these searches uh, for athletic director and head coach. That is Parker Executive Search. Recently, they were in charge of the 2020 Auburn head coaching search and the or- recent Oregon head coach search. So uh, if you know about the Auburn situation, you might approach this with some level of wariness, uh, But I think if you look at it from the Oregon perspective, you might be saying... Okay, this could be interesting. Uh, In terms of other coaching search stuff, uh, Kiefer and Robert will have their coaching profiles out every week. So be sure to read those and get up to date on who we think some of the candidates could be. Uh, I think Tyson Helton of Western Kentucky was this week's profile. So that was was a really interesting read about someone that you might not have expected to get a call from, from a P5 program. Uh, I'll say this about any candidate lists that lists that you see today or tomorrow they are getting handed to reporters by agencies don't buy them the agents are basically buying positions on lists uh, from uh, from reporters at this stage they are probably not real and probably do not reflect the actual intent of whoever is running the search with Parker Executive Search. So keep that in mind. Gentlemen, anything else on the coaching carousel now in motion at Georgia Tech before we move on to some other isolated news?
1: I see the people who ran the Auburn coach search and I go, oh no. But that's also because Auburn is a bunch of crazy mad lads. So I don't know if that's necessarily the, the, uh, Uh, I guess, purview of Parker Executive Search as much as the Plains are a bit of a wild place.
0: The Plains are a really, really strange place. Uh, Just to go over a
1: couple of other news
0: items, we do have kickoff times for October 1st and October 8th. Uh, The game versus Pitt will be an 8 p.m. kick on ACC Network. That is October 1st. Uh, and then the kickoff versus Duke for homecoming will be a 4 p.m. kick on your local RSN. Anyone have any thoughts
1: on these two kickoff times? I assume we're both
0: happy, satisfied,
1: content, neutral. I'm kind of shocked. Honestly, we've had some pretty stellar home kickoff times, if I do say so, with the Clemson night game, West Carolina night game, Ole Miss midday game, Duke midday game. These these are great. Uh, not having noon kicks is kind of nice. And, uh, you know, I hope this trend continues into the future because this is, this is good from uh, especially the 4 p.m. kick for, uh, I guess, my particular fandom. But I, I'm sure uh, other people out there who like a nice little bit longer of a tailgate would probably agree as well. And also homecoming events. More time for those. That's good, too.
0: Our dear Ramblin' Rec Club will not have to rush between Ramblin' Rec Parade and, uh, and setting up for the Duke game. What a blessing, 85. truly. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay, gentlemen, I am exhausted. I'm exhausted by this week already, and it's only Monday. Let's do some ACC college football picks. So let's start at noon on the ACC Network. Louisville versus Boston College. Louisville favored by fifteen and a half at Alumni Stadium in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Jake, you're a first.
1: Uh, give me Louisville, Louisville, and against the spread, I don't care. I think Boston College is pretty
2: bad this year. Jack, Louisville as well. I I did not do well picking Boston College either of the weeks I picked so.
0: Womp, womp, 330 ABC, 22, Wake Forest versus 23. Those are ranks Florida State. Florida State, weirdly, favored by six and a half at Dope Campbell Stadium. Uh, Supposed to be sunshiny right now, which is weird because there's supposed to be a hurricane on the way. Jack, you're up first.
2: Wake Forest, please. And Jake.
1: Uh, I'm going to take Florida State. Uh, I, I don't necessarily buy them as like a crazy contender, but who knows? I I think they've got it there at home. Tickets
0: as low as twenty six dollars for a hurricane game. In that one uh, later, or I guess at the same time on ACC Network. So later, since you have to find it, three thirty Virginia Tech versus UNC. UNC favored by nine points at home. Jake, you're up first.
1: Kind of weird that they tell us the weather for some of these games, but not the others on ESPN. Uh, give me UN. Uh, uh, yeah, give UNC. Um, I, I still think they're better than Virginia Tech. Jack.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I need a seaboard from VTech to go over North Carolina at this point.
1: We're skipping Wagner-Syracuse
0: because Wagner got summarily dispatched this weekend versus uh, S- uh, Stephen F. Austin. NC State versus Clemson is the ABC game at 7.30 at Memorial Stadium in Clemson. Clemson is ranked number five. NC State is 10. Clemson favored by seven. The over-under, weirdly, 43. Jake, up first.
1: This is a game day game. I think Clemson will get up for that, but I think NC State covers. Line is seven. And Jack,
2: Clemson rarely loses games like this. They they lose these games to Bama or Iowa State. So I think this because it's at home. I, I, that's enough for me. Home at night.
0: Final game on ESPN three. Also your local RSN seven thirty. Virginia versus Duke at Wallace Wade Stadium. Duke favored by two. Over under fifty one and a half. Jake question mark.
1: Uh, I think I'd I think I'd take Duke. They've they've really turned it around quicker than I expected. I'm not so confident uh, in, in Virginia. And Jack round us out.
2: And under sounds feasible, but I'm also going to take Duke.
0: Let's move on to our sicko picks of the week from around the nation. I will start. Stanford versus Oregon kicks off at. Let me let me just check my phone here. 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In these United States of America, Oregon loves to trip over its own feet versus Stanford. It's hilarious. Every single time, give me Stanford plus 16 and a half. Jake, you're up next.
1: Yeah. uh, My sicko pick of the week is three and one Iowa State at four and oh, Kansas. Imagine telling somebody about this like six, eight years ago. Uh, ISU is favored by favored by two and a half on the road. Uh, but give me Kansas. I think they went out right and uh, moved to 5-0. and Woof! Weird world
0: we live in. Jack, round us out.
2: I'm changing my pick from what's on the sheet to Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Mississippi State's favored by 3.5, hosting the 17th Daggies, uh, which surprises me. And Texas A&M will have their people back. I think they had them back last week when they beat Arkansas anyway, so I'm taking A&M there outright. It's not mm. sicko, but it's just wrong. That they're not. No, 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 it. no.
0: If you've seen if you've seen that AM offense operate, it's pretty sicko. It okay, good. They're bad. They're bad. But that is it for our picks. That is it for a long winded week that's only lasted a day. Gentlemen, do you have anything else to cover before we head our separate ways on this fine Monday
1: night? Go buy something from section one oh three. There we go. I got in my last word. Wonderful. Mr. Grant, take us home all right for jack and akshay you can find us at from the rumble at ftrs blog on twitter uh, you can find the articles posted with uh with these podcasts but also all of our other fine analysis Akshay plugged the coaching candidate profiles uh, those are going to be super valuable in the coming weeks but also all the other great content from stats to non-rev uh, and really everywhere in between um including travel blogs. Those are fun. Go check those out too. Uh, In terms of responding, reaching out to us, uh, you can find us on Twitter, as we noted, at FTRS blog, the comments on those articles, and also the email that we noted as well. You can find me at JakeGrant98 and Jack at JackNicholas. And if you find Akshay, uh, well, forget you found him because he doesn't like that. Anyways, uh, for Jack and Akshay, again, this has been Science of the Southland. Thank you. Good night. Take a deep breath and go Jackets.